0: sox fans welcome in to socks on tap a little off day talk johnny nani coming at you here with tony on tap little thursday happy hour action crack tony how you doing my friend crack cheers johnny it's great to be on with you
1: it's our series recap of the new york yankees series we're going to get into some of that but johnny i wanted to ask you a quick question before we get into anything is it a white Sox off day unless there's a heated debate about yohan mancada on your timeline?
0: No, no, it's not. Um, it feels like tradition. And there, obviously, I think you wrote a post about it over at ontapsportsnet.com a while ago. And it was Yoan Mancada in the great debate. And guess what? That thing's still going to be going. The guy's going to be retired at some point, And there's still going to be White Sox fans arguing about Yoan Mancada. So, no, it, it is not a White Sox off day without some Yoan Mancada debate
1: absolutely is not a white sox off day that's that's confirmed as our guy Steve would say and and Johnny you know the other thing that's confirmed right now is that it's uh it's Thursday and uh, I think it's the start of the weekend uh, the, the, week,
0: the weekend starts on Thursday confirmed per me um, I, I've said that you know for the longest time. Um, so th- we're, we're going to have some fun with it today. Have a couple drinks, uh, sit back, relax, and strap it down with us here at Socks on Tap. Uh, before we get into the meat of this episode, make sure you go and subscribe on YouTube on Tap Sportsnet. That's where you can jump in, join the comments section, and we can feature them right here uh, below us uh, get you involved in the conversation we love that we can see your comments from Facebook as well so make sure you like on sportsnet on Facebook there unfortunately we love you Twitter audience but we can't see your comments here so if you want to jump in go over YouTube and Facebook there and as always check out on com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs damn it's a good looking koozie there tony correct
1: that is we, we need we need more of those koozies johnny maybe we got to talk about that offline figure out ways to get that up in the store because uh, i think the people need those
0: yeah yeah I, I would say so as well all right title of this episode is called winning while the world burns because the white Sox have no shortage of drama surrounding them right now um it actually you know it's all started with, with the beef Um, between Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez on Saturday night, which we discussed uh, at length on our Sunday Funday episode. But shortly after we got off these airwaves on Sunday evening, Tony, um, Jesse Rogers dropped the bomb. uh, Comments from former White Sox reliever Keenan Middleton in there. And it just so happened that Middleton and his new team, the Yankees, were in town for a three-game series this week. So we've got a shit ton to talk about. I want to start with the winning part of this, though. Winning while the world burns the White Sox couldn't put together any semblance of like competent baseball for stretches for most of the season, as we all know. And it just takes everybody externally keeping, you know, piles of drama, rumors, reports, everything like that on them to win, I guess. So if that's going to be the case, um, I'd rather have these stories popping up every day as long as they're going to win at this clip that they are. They're four and one since all of this uh stuff started. If you date it back to Saturday uh, with the JRAM TA fight, your thoughts on this, Johnny? First off, this is not unprecedented for
1: the Chicago White Sox during Rick Hahn's tenure. I mean, take a look back at uh, what was it, the 2016 season? You've got uh, that was that was the uh the big clubhouse blow-ups that took place during spring training. White Sox come out and just blow the tires off of of the entire American League there. I believe they had, if not the best record in baseball, after you've had all sorts of different storylines about this team, all sorts of adversity. I think it was said that, uh, I don't know who it was in the national media, it might have been Dan Hayes, former White Sox beat writer. In fact, that's who I think it is, now covers the Minnesota Twins had said that this doesn't really compare to the levels of, I don't know, uh, drama. Yeah, yeah, dysfunction, drama, the the episode of the Kardashians that is White Sox baseball. uh, It doesn't compare to those levels. But there's definitely a pattern that we're starting to see here, Johnny. When there's all sorts of craziness going about, this team seems to perform well. And while winning does cure everything, it's also great to win When everything else is just pouring out these headlines, at least for us in this business, you know, these headlines do, you know, equate to uh, people interested in your baseball team. Uh, So I I like this. I like that we've been winning during some of the, the time when America is focused on the White Sox. It's a good look.
0: Yeah, right. Um, I, I just enjoy it because I want the White Sox to win every game. That's why we're here, right? We're, we're fans. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are on the timeline that oh no, this is no good. They need to they need to rattle off ten losses in a row, and you know, I want to get into that. I want to get into that secure again. their draft pick and all that. Well, there's dude, come on. There's still going to be the bottom of the barrel teams that even if the White Sox play dog shit down the stretch, which honestly I expect them to do come back down to earth and go into another one of their ruts at some point here. But, Um, just look at, you know, sure. They did trade off a good portion of their pitching staff, but some of these other guys are still around. And I know a lot of them are injured all the time. And, uh, there's plenty of underperformance to go around, but Luis Roberts still going to save you probably about a win a week, right? It's going to happen. And, uh, like I said, those teams like the A's and the Royals are still going to be at the bottom of the barrel there. And then if you're really that I'm not a huge draft nerd. So if you have some insight to me that can fall in that like three to eight range, please drop it in the comments, go over to YouTube on tap sports and drop it in the comments and fill us in. Cause I'm not a huge MLB draft guy. I'm not looking forward to 2024's draft just yet. I'm still trying to learn the names of some of the guys that we selected in 2023. Right. Um, But my point there is, I don't think there's going to be an absolute franchise changer that you're getting uh, in those picks. Obviously you never know. Future is, uh, you know, uh, Unknown, but uh, it's not like there's a generational prospect like we had over in the hockey world in Chicago here.
1: I was going to piggyback off of that a little bit, Johnny, and and what better time to plug Four Feathers podcast and talk about Connor Bedard than right now. Uh, So if you are a fan of the Blackhawks or want to hop on that bandwagon, you can listen to Johnny and I and our friend Ron Luce discuss Blackhawks prospects and their rebuild over at four feathers pod. So give that a listen to follow. We'll be on the same airwaves at on tap sports net on YouTube. So Johnny, you, you bring up a good point. It's not like there's a clear cut name in this upcoming MLB draft. And I, I would say that I'm of the same ilk as you here. I don't really follow the prospects as much. If there's somebody that I'm completely missing, let us know. But I also know this the White Sox will not have the number one pick in next year's draft. I'm pretty sure that's almost damn near mathematically impossible.
0: No, there is a lottery now. Yes. However, well, there is there is that, and we did see the Hawks win it. So I do understand the argument in that case, but at the same time, I think I'm going more off the talent. The, that. Yeah, I would go off the talent here and say that the
1: Sox are unfortunately just as me being a realist, they're unfortunately a team that's underperformed most of this season. And so while I don't think that rattling off 10 wins is in the best interest of the Chicago White Sox, they are still very capable of doing that, even after shipping out the talent that they've shipped out. And I'm not saying 10 in a row, but maybe they go 8-2 over a 10-game stretch. And when you look at the schedule that's coming up here, you've got the Rockies, you've got the Oakland A's, you've got a a large stretch of baseball against the Kansas City Royals. Now who have played the White Sox pretty damn well, almost to the point where it annoys the fuck out of us, but they're going to win some baseball games down the stretch here. This isn't the same schedule we saw in April and May. Now, while I want them to wind up in the best draft position, I'm still always going to root for the Sox to beat the living piss out of the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees. Regardless of if we're in a competitive season and non-competitive season, it doesn't matter. And I think as a White Sox fan, just me speaking as a White Sox fan, you want to see your team win these games. You don't want to roll over and die. Everybody wants to get on to the whole let's rebuild and we're we're fucking up draft position. This team is still bad enough to lose enough games where you're gonna be in the probably the top 10 picks next year. And we've already seen them fuck up picks from you know what is <laughs> yeah, it four to it. four to ten in that range anyway. So, like getting the extra spot to me isn't like all it's cracked up to be, And right. even the same essence of um, the Blackhawks. And and Johnny, even down that stretch, you and Ron were more on the on the table of like lose every single game possible. And I'm like, just fucking win games. Like, doesn't matter. And the cards still play out in their favor. There was,
0: there was a generational talent at the end of the tunnel though. That's and it
1: all worked out. Sometimes you
0: just gotta <laughs> let it ride. Yeah, fair point. It, it did work out there. But my point being is that, um, in the dead cold winter, January, February, I'm going to be missing baseball. And I'm sure you are. If you're tuned into this podcast and you're a white Sox fan, um, And I'm going to be, you know, like wishing I was back at the ballpark, taking in fireworks after the Sox beat the Yankees, which I got to do twice this week. And that was awesome, Tony. I think, you know, I I really fucked up. I'm going to put it on myself. The White Sox would have gotten a sweep if I would have gone Tuesday as well. I, I was thinking that too. I went Monday and Wednesday and they put some daggers in late with some nice insurance. Luis Robert getting the job done Monday. Elvis Andrew's doing the same on Wednesday. And it was it was great to take in. I was really happy to beat those Gavones from New York. We got to use the Peter Griffin family guy clip. Jet suck, Yankee suck, Nick suck. Um, and it, you know, rub it in their faces because those guys are still right in the thick. If I last I checked, they're just like, you know, the, the second team in that in the hunt of the wild card uh, right below the teams that are already qualified there. Um They were only like two and a half games back going into yesterday. And we can play some spoiler. It's fun. I've done that for, you know, uh, stretches in terms of, you know, going back to like 2019 season um for 2018, even at some various junctures there as well. um That's fun to do. And like I said, just taking in a White Sox win uh, is fun at, at the ballpark. In the Yankees man that's embarrassing they should be ashamed of themselves losing to this shit show uh sinking ship that is the White Sox losing not only this series two to one but losing the season series uh you know four to two uh and White Sox got it done uh, against the Bronx Bombers so I you know uh I generally think chris russo just blows a lot of hot air but i do like instances like this so when i can turn on high heat on MLB network and he's fuming out of the ears about the yankees um you know in there he'll insult the white Sox in the process but it will be a how can you lose to this bunch of bums right um I, I like that kind of shit
1: you know johnny one of my favorite things and not to go off topic is there's there's once a month where you can turn on high heat and you get Chris Russo and the emergency alert test. And so while Chris Russo is doing the good morning, everybody's voice, you hear the tornado <laughs> sirens go off. And so sometimes, you know, I'm a late sleeper. You know, sometimes I wake up so around 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. That, that's known to happen. And sometimes I would like to play the game. Is it Chris Russo or is the tornado siren going off? You should play it once or twice. It's a great game.
0: <laughs> Um, that is that I, you know, what I'll I'll look for that in September. First, yeah,
1: you should try it. It's the first first Tuesday of the month. Yeah, it's it's a great game. I've played it a couple of times, and and when they sync up perfectly, it's great. Uh, but I I like that, and I want to sort of parlay this into some discussion I heard on ESPN radio. Uh, earlier this afternoon, I'm not sure if it was Black and Abdallah or Waddle and Sylvie that were talking about this, but it was in the context of the Chicago Bears and training camp and fans who go to training camp and live and die on on training camp and and, and sort of they, they talked a little bit about the White Sox as well in this. In terms of the fan that's tuned in every day, like I would guess that a lot of people who listen to our show are tuned into the White Sox pretty heavily. Like you probably watch a lot of these games. You interact on Twitter. Um, you know what's going on with the White Sox. There's a whole segment of people out there and families out there that just go to the ballpark maybe once a season and like take in that game, and that's their form of entertainment. yeah, they they're they're white Sox fans, but they're not as ingrained in the day to day if If you've got a segment of people who show up to a ball game, like you witnessed on either Monday or Wednesday, they're going to be happy with that, that they spent their money and watched the White Sox go out and beat the Yankees. Maybe that's the only game that they really tune into all year. That fan out there does exist. And so I think when we, when we look at this, if you take a bigger picture to it, beating teams, even if your team sucks can still be fun. It still has a place. You know, you enjoyed those games. I enjoyed watching those games Yes, I think you needed to get out to to Tuesday's ball game to complete the sweep because that would have been better. But I'm just happy you take two out of three from the Yankees here. I think that's a I, that's a good thing. It doesn't mean that like we're trying to you know reverse tank or whatever, or whatever Pedro Grifols says about you know we yeah. still have time <laughs> left. Throw that away for just a second and, and realize that there's you know people out there that can appreciate these wins. Yeah, And I it, think you don't really get that when you look at Twitter and it's like, why are we doing this?
0: Yeah. And I just on that same note, um, you know, in when it's January and it's February, don't get me wrong. I love hockey season. I love being able to, you know, go, go up to the UC and watch the Blackhawks. But when it's, you know, like negative five wind chill and you wake up. I'm going to be longing for the days when I was at the ballpark wearing shorts and my Luis Robert jersey, um, you know, blowing in the breeze. And like I said, watching the fireworks after the White Sox won a game. And I just, you know, uh, had a beer and cracked a bunch of peanuts. You know, where the hell am I going to do that? I go out and throw them in the snow in the winter. I don't think so. So I enjoyed it. And, you know, fight me if if you uh, have a problem with that.
1: Can you get peanuts
0: into the UC? no
1: no they won't let that happen no then try and sneak you peanuts into the uc and just watch what happens i think it'd be
0: epic yeah and yeah, that'd be something. I mean, I'm sure in the old Chicago Stadium, you probably could, but um, that's no longer the case. Uh, smoking stogies in
1: old Chicago Stadium.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe they could sell like unshelled like peanuts. But that's not as fun. That's part of the, you know, because you got to get like the little small one and like pop it in your mouth, and like eat the whole thing. So you get the full like salty experience. But then you crack open like all the other ones. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about.
1: And yeah, nothing better than peanuts and a, and a beer at the ballpark, though.
0: Yeah, it, it was good. I got to take it in twice this weekend. I'll be. Uh, And you got some Brewers fans in town uh, this weekend. So Saturday, I'm looking forward to that, too. So, you know, regardless of whatever happens with this team, I'm going to go out and enjoy it in the summer because this is one of my favorite summer activities to go in and take in White Sox baseball. So uh, when when they win on top of that, like we just discussed, uh, it is, you know, an added benefit there and makes the experience all much more enjoyable. Speaking of stogies, Johnny. Did you light one up in the stadium? Because there's there's no there's rules, no correct? rules. There's no rules. That's a good transition there. Um, we were talking about Keenan Middleton and his comments about no rules. Uh, that that was kind of the sticking point. I would say the headliner uh, of his comments about the White Sox there. And then you saw Jerry Reinsdorf smoking a Stogie pregame on Monday there. So no. To answer your question, I did not light up a stogie in there. I still obeyed the rules, even if they didn't exist. But whatever, legally, it's a smoke-free venue. So I did not. But, man, what a whirlwind of comments that came from Middleton on Sunday night. I just wanted to get your thoughts. You wrote a great post over on it, how they kind of contradicted themselves a little bit. But that doesn't mean they're not totally meritless there. Um, So your thoughts on Keenan Middleton sounding off on White Sox culture. Yeah, I'm pretty conflicted on this one, Johnny, because I, I, I feel like in the
1: heat and hoopla of these comments, some of the hypocritical ones were sort of left uh, by the wayside. And I think people went in and attacked on the White Sox with, with you know merit. I think there's a lot of merit to go attack the White Sox for what they've done. But Keenan Middleton, I I just have to go out there and say it, if you didn't read it, Uh, there were comments about how, you know, you've got guys sleeping in the bullpen. And then also direct quotes that said, I don't think the pitching staff did anything wrong here. We all did our jobs the right way, everything. And I don't know, to me, you know, you're as good as your word. And I would would question, you know, my my follow-up question, I guess, if I was – offered a press seat to Keenan Middleton. I would ask him, okay, so you called out a teammate who was in the bullpen for sleeping on the job, pitchers not showing up to PFPs, which also seems like a pitching staff thing, Johnny. I don't know if Johan Moncada is supposed to be out there taking PFPs. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. I I would, I would just question that a little bit. (laughs) Um, And then say, you know, it was the position players who were at fault.
0: And now, I just got a direct quote it because he said, "I wouldn't go and say anything bad about the pitching staff. We did our jobs, we or we went about our business the right way." Was the quote? From, yes, so but
1: the whole just, front end of this article is just loaded right. with things that the that his fellow pitching staff did did wrong right
0: yeah I, um, I would ask that follow up and once again i want to say that that does not discredit these and mean that no shit not like at all didn't happen or that there's no rules not discrediting that but the nature of those i yeah. did also it's, find it, a little bit comical
1: to me it it was sort of like when you fight with your brother or sister like as a kid it's like they did something totally fucking serious mom and dad it was totally terrible you know fuck them and then you ask your other kid like well, what happened? And it's like, well, this is what instigated the whole entire thing. You know, like both sides are wrong here. And in fact, he sort of validates that when he says there were no rules. Cause why would you expect anybody on the pitching staff to follow any of the rules if there are none? So I think it, it, it sort of incriminated the entire thing. And of course, he doesn't want to throw anything back on himself or the pitching staff or anything like that. But You had like the classic tale of two sides here, right? Because Rick Hahn comes out and says he gives an excuse for a position player who's allowed to sleep in the clubhouse due to sleep issues, and then says we don't have anybody sleeping in the bullpen. So, like, whose story's
0: right? Whose story's wrong? It's like the guy in the Twitter replies who corrects your grammar when you make like you know a point about something. Yeah, that's actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, maybe just like technicalities of I it. Mean, oh, well, it's a position player, not a one of the
1: a... position players was out sleeping in the bullpen. You never know. I don't think that's been investigated, but I, this goes deeper. And I, I want to get into the, uh, the Yasmani Grandal and Tim Anderson thing too that came out. But no one here can get their so- story straight. And, and the finger is always pointing in the other direction when it comes to the White Sox. No one's ever at fault. If you, if you haven't noticed this, there's either no comment or the finger is firmly pointed at someone else, even if it's you, the fan, for being wrong. Like, the, fi- the, there's,
0: the sus- there's not believing. an accountability
1: problem. The accountability problem is actually that you, the fan, or the player, or the manager, or the front, nobody wants to take any accountability when it's directed at that. Because half the time it doesn't seem like it's, Actually, really supposed to be directed at them. I I don't I don't get what goes on here, but his comments were definitely of merit, it feels like, because you've heard this before, you've heard it from Dallas Keichel, who most of us, and again, winning cures everything. So when you're winning and somebody directly feels like the problem, you're not going to believe whatever it is they say. But those comments sort of come back to me now after looking at some of this stuff, Johnny, and you sort of question what goes on. I mean Lance Lynn backed the comments up. Right from Keenan Middleton. Yeah, like who do you trust? Who do you trust in this organization? You can't trust the players, you can't trust the front office, you can't trust the owners.
0: Yeah, it and that kind of bleeds into my point. I say it absolutely runs up the flagpole because you get Jerry Reinsdorf just saying no, as in, I'm not going to comment on it when pressed about it while he was on the field shooting the shit with Bill Cowher and Kenny Williams, right? Uh, prior to Monday's game. So the accountability thing runs up the chart, even though I wish we had Steve on here so we could get his excellent Ken Williams impression, but we don't have it here. Um, Either way, you, you know what I'm talking about, though. The accountability here, and, as a clip. accountability here is not an issue, it is, you know, what is going back to those comments from late April. But uh, when you're talking about all this, I, I know while, while I understand that it needs to be top-down change, right, if we ever want any meaningful, um, you know, strides forward in this organization, I get that. There's been plenty of Jerry talk. There's been plenty of Han talk. There's been plenty of Ken Williams talk. And I'm not discrediting that, but we'll save that for another time because there's a whole off season of stuff to discuss. And I would imagine those guys will still be in their same positions when the time the white Sox played their last game of the season. So we'll discuss that later, but this falls mainly on Pedro Grifol. This is a damning indictment of him. And everybody is kind of, I don't think he has anybody in his corner really within this fan base, maybe his family. <laughs> That's about it. Right. Um, And it, it goes back to this because Sure, there's other organizational issues, but specifically what Keenan Middleton's talking about: no repercussions for missed meetings or uh, various practices, no, um, you know, discipline in terms of a guy sleeping in the bullpen, allowing things like that to happen in the first place. Shit, everybody from an extra from a you know, um, ten thousand feet view here, just looking, you can just look down and how this team plays day to day, how they interact with each other, and something's just off there. Everybody's talked about it, and we haven't gotten a great. Explanation for it. Well, I actually thank Keenan Milton because this is more insight than anybody else has provided. Not that everyone was going to go and throw the next guy under the bus publicly, he happened to do that. And, you know, you have your thoughts about that there. But for me, it just gave a little bit more clarity there. And like I said, it, that comes back to Pedro Griffol and it's looking more and more and more and more. I thought it was for a while now, but he's like a one and done guy here, even the handpicked Han guy. Um, it, I, don't, I don't know if he can withstand all this. And also, that's a nice scapegoat for them, right, To to kind of, you know throw under the bus for them in there for talking about how the White Sox operate there. But man, I had touched on this back when the hire happened and he, whatever won the introductory press conference. And I wrote up about the comments on it way back and was at December or January. Um, and his biggest challenge will be converting words into action. Well, they're not preparing to kick your ass every day. If guys are sleeping in the bullpen, um, they are not doing the fundamentals. And he is even now at this point in the season, acknowledge that, um, and he said, he, I know he says that falls on him and I will give him credit because he did publicly take accountability for that. However, I knew it was always going to be a challenge, a big challenge for him to implement this as a first year guy. And part of it was kind of, how do you manage the guys that are here? Cause it's not like there's a super tight knit group. Uh, Jose Abreu had said, you know, upon departing that that wasn't a family there, you know, all those comments, make of that what you will. However, a first year guy. Bench coach for most of his, you know, major league experience career here and with a organization that was kind of already, you know, the, the, they were obviously it's the Royals, they're middling there. Um, and dropping out towards the bottom and not, not overly successful. Um, It's not like he was a guy keeping that like clubhouse together. And it's like, it didn't really matter if there was anything, you know, going wrong there because they were just bottoming out once again. And it was another season for the Kansas city Royal status quo. Right. Um It was always going to be a massive challenge for this guy and, and this kind of stuff. Um, Plus the results on the field add up to, He's overmatched for the job, um, unqualified for it, to be quite frank with you, and should be a one and done guy. So it, it honestly was the biggest indictment of Pedro Grifol to me.
1: I mean, we've had these indictments before. However, I feel like when when you when you say that, you had sort of the opposite happening during the TLR stint you had guys coming to sort of like back him up and obviously they didn't implode the way they did this season. It's just interesting because I don't feel like Pedro Grafull is going to be a one and done guy.
0: Right, that the, is just
1: my gut sense. Whether should he, he? Yeah.
0: maybe probably. Yes. Should be. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but should I be. think he gets I think he gets the manager's seat next year.
1: If you do not get rid of Rick Hahn,
0: Not public, but reported that he has a three-year deal, kind of like TLR did when he came back.
1: Yeah, and that seems to be standard with Jerry Reinsdorf organizations in terms of managerial roles, but... I, to me, if you're talking about Pedro Grafol building your culture for the rest of this season... When you talk about culture, man, I, I go. I, I hate to keep doing this, but I draw it back to Luke Richardson with the Blackhawks. You're in a rebuild. Here's a manager that gets more out of his players on a team that shouldn't be fucking competing for anything. If you look at last year's Hawks team and you follow Chicago sports, like you know that that guy drew value out of his players. You just do. And then you look at Pedro Grafol on a team that you've got this window open, still technically supposed to compete this year. We're not going to call it a rebuild. It's a retool. We're competing next year. What value did he drive out of any of these guys this season? Tim Anderson's had his worst fucking year. Yohan Moncada is top three to six in negative war on the team. Andrew Vaughn has not hit for the power that you want him to. I know he's picked it up a little bit, but he's he's not he has not replaced the production that you need on this team. Your second best player was dealt off at the deadline. Your pitching staff largely underperformed. W- what value did Pedro Grifol bring out of the Chicago White Sox in 2023? But all you heard all winter, we're going to be ready to kick everybody's ass. We're going to play fundamental bait. We're going to every single thing that was in that press kit that they gave everyone has turned out to be a lie. It, it, he should be one and done based on so many different factors. But right now we're talking about building the culture back. So if this guy on his resume right now has everything that he's told you has turned out to be a lie, can you actually believe that he's going to build the culture for the retool in 2024?
0: No, I thought it was hilarious too. You get these funny sound bites. We're building on rock, not muck. Was that it? And I, I my thought was, you traded the only rock solid guy to Miami. He you now plays for the Marlins. If you're talking about a clubhouse guy who seemed like he was the most rock solid, it, it really. I'm not in there. they have said it a hundred times. I'll say it a hundred more. I wish I was a fly on the wall, but please. Press me, and I would like to, I would highly doubt that anybody had disdain for Jake Berger as a clubhouse presence there. Just a good we've talked to him personally yes. on this show, an all-around good guy, obviously backing it up with power production. Sure, you didn't get on base as much as you wanted to, but we're talking about team guys and various interviews that he did in talking about it. It was felt kind of honestly him and Elvis Andrews were essentially the veteran leaders of that locker room. While the likes of Yasmani Grendal and Lance Lynn, both of whom I've lost respect for over the past week. Uh, I said idly by
1: love, love the, the, when I log on to X and I see why is Elvis Andrews still here? And some of the best moments that have come, the 2023 White Sox have come from Elvis Andrews. <laughs> like, no, he does not serve any long-term purpose here, but this team lacks so much leadership that it shines through when you've got the guy that like, this will sound stupid because you can't quantify this, but the home run jacket and hat, the gangsta hat came from Elvis Andrews. That's been accredited to him. Yeah, like that. Something that the team—that's yeah. something that the team actually—you like watch them. There's and before very few... they hit.
0: Before they had that, the only life that we saw for like a span of three weeks was him and Jake Berger doing the jump yes. down on the burger celebration at the top steps of the dugout back yes. in like May, right?
1: So, so maybe there's one guy on the Chicago White Sox that has been like trying to build a culture. I think he's done a better job than Pedro Grapo has. If you get rid of it, like, is it going to go back to bland, boring baseball? I don't know. And maybe paying him the minimal amount of dollars to do that is worth it for this team throughout the rest of this, the remainder of the 2023 season. Because what are the what are the other options, Johnny, that everybody's clamoring for? Another yeah, ballot
0: of Lenin Sosa or Popeye? Right. Yeah. Like, what, what, what do you want? Right. I think the overarching sort of, if I could say, you know, um, just when you're looking at the guy who is more, most, uh, um, I don't know if he, <laughs> I wouldn't say he's ready, but next in line, so to say, would be Lenny Sosa there. Um, obviously having stints uh, over the past couple seasons and then, you know, but not performing well, especially at the plate. Um, And while I do think that he should get some reps down the stretch, um, I also am with you in the same boat of the Elvis Andrews that there is a value that doesn't show up on the stat sheet there. And for a club that is in a very fragile spot, um, I think it's a his presence is rather important and extremely understated. If you just go and look at fan graphs and spew that out onto the X machine, excuse me, the cesspool.
1: NWI Steve was calling me while you were talking. I bitch buttoned him. So I'm gonna to have to give him a call back, but uh, he should know that we're on air right now, Johnny. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, bad move from N.W.I. Steve. I'm trying to, I wanted him. to, we're I I, I, wanted, show.
0: I wanted to get into this. We appreciate Sox side Mike. He had he's before he said, "I'm sorry," but a majority of the Sox fan base owes TR, T.L.R. an apology. Um, yep, in light of what's happened this season and seeing. Uh, how rough Pedro Grifols had it. I agree with you, buddy. And this next one, I wanted to expand on it a little bit. Grandal slapping Anderson the mouse says all we need to know about the clubhouse right now. Okay, this whole situation. This is separate from the Keenan middle. Yeah, country. let's get into this. All right, th- this is a report from Shane Reardon, and Yasmani Grandal denied it. So there's your two sides of the report. There, um, the fact that Yasmani Grandal made himself available to speak. Um, made me think of this as a deflection. a, uh, And that's honestly the way he described it too, was that he didn't want some of these young guys having to answer for it. So he made himself available, even though he previously said he doesn't have time to do that because of all of his preparation work. Um, and then you get Jesse Rogers on ESPN radio saying that Grandal is no fan uh, or is no friend to the pitching staff. Um, and he, I think he threw in Eloy Jimenez and Yuan Mancata as other guys, um, you know, sort of that were problems clubhouse wise for this White Sox team. Um, regarding Yasmani Grandal, I'd said it just a few moments ago. I've lost respect for him over the past week. You know me. I used to be a big Yas man. I liked Yas. I like. I like the signing. Hashtag confirmed. I really liked what he did in the second half, showing some resilience coming back and absolutely pounding the baseball uh, down the home stretch of the 2021 season. Um, that's where he showed value. He was solid in the 2020 season as well. And obviously, there's been injuries uh, and he's slow as shit. Uh, he's not drawing nearly as many walks as he did. So the OBP isn't where it was. Uh, but over this year, he stayed a little bit more healthy and he's on track to play probably the most games that he has uh, in a White Sox uniform in a single season right um but the fact that jesse rogers said he's no friend of the pitching staff and this may just be jesse's interpretation of how he views the club and you know whatever but i would love to know what pitchers in milwaukee in los angeles and maybe even san diego dating back there if you go and look at yasmani grendahl's mlb stops prior to chicago what those pitching staffs thought of him was he not a friend there he was regarded as one of the best framers in the game, both by metrics and um, pitchers that threw to him there. What changed here? Why can't you be a friend of the pitching staff? You're a fucking catcher. If you're doing all that prep work, what are you doing? I would assume some of that involves talking with your pitchers, right? If you're too busy to talk to the media because you have so much prep work going on. um, This guy, I understand not every guy is going to be an extrovert, a vocal leader whatever, but this guy's a veteran guy. He's been around this club for four years now. He's been around the league a long time. Catcher is one of the most important leadership positions on the baseball team. Whether you like to talk or not, you still got to be a leader in some way, shape or form. Um, Hearing that, and and then his kind of denial that, like I said, we've got one side, Shane Reardon, which 670 score needs to get their ratings. We've got Yasmani Grandal. Of course he's going to deny that he wanted to leave early for, um, you know uh or excuse me that there was a fight because he wanted to leave early for the all-star break but the way that he described that so i can tell you what was on my mind yeah getting let's go to the this lake is what house, I getting away to the lake house with my family because i haven't seen them so much uh this year and my god dude the fact that you had to include that is making me want to side with shane reardon on this one uh, I would imagine that there was some altercation. I don't know how elaborate, you know, how involved it was in terms of did Tim Anderson walk over and slap him? Was it Will Smith at the, uh, you know, Oscars style? Uh, we can all, that That's only up to the imagination. Um, but I would imagine that there's some altercation in there. And then how the hell do you have a player that plays a position that is a leadership position like that, and how do you even tolerate him then after that? Man, uh, it was really disappointing uh, on Yaz's part. So, you know, I try to be partial here because, like I said, it, we, you got to consider where this story came from. And then I also laid out Yaz's response there. But it's not a good look either way in the way that he framed it. Um, guess what? Maybe you should talk to the media some more so you can get your story straight if you do fuck up, buddy. Um, that I'm glad we're getting him off the books next year. Never thought I'd say that. Um, when we signed this contract, to be honest with you, sure the back half might not have been as good production wise, but I always thought he would be at least a, a solid catcher and a catcher is supposed to be in tune with this pitching staff. But my God, the fact that this is a guy that's now for a while was the highest played payer franchise history, uh, and now is the second because of the Ben and deal, very disappointing. And I, uh, you know, what was a guy that I really liked for a long time. Um, maybe the 2019 season in Milwaukee got gave me more grandiose hopes for him, but it's fucking disappointing the way it's played out with him here. So um I'm disappointed in Yaz. Your thoughts.
1: Man, you just you just put him on the burner there. That was I, I never thought I'd hear that coming out of out of your mouth, to be honest with you, because you you were. Hashtag confirmed like the yes, man. Here. Um My thoughts on this are when you look at everything here, this is the like the best fucking drama show on television that you could possibly watch. I'm surprised this doesn't have like an E subscription service streaming whatever cameras in the clubhouse every day
0: Hard show because it would, it would style.
1: Hard knocks baseball style, but I mean, this would be fantastic. There are so many layers of drama here. It 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 just it boggles my mind because you've got Yaz helping Tim Anderson off the field with the fight, and we gotta dissect that as a White Sox fan. Like, did they make up after all of this? You know, and like this could have actually happened, but maybe they're on good terms now. This is, you know, five-week old news. There are so many different layers of this onion, Johnny, in terms of what the Chicago White Sox are and have been. Drama, more drama than Shakespeare. That That, that is an excellent comment that just came in from L.A. on the YouTube channel. Dude, I, I don't know who to be a fan of at this point in the clubhouse because it just changes by the week. Are, do you believe that Andrew Vaughn is your leader right now because Rick Hahn told you he's the new leader? That guy do you clowned. hate Yasmani Grandel <laughs> because Yasmani Grandal slapped him? <clears throat> do you hate Tim Anderson because of what Tim Anderson's? Who's the villain? Yeah, you don't even man. know. It changes by the day.
0: It's a movie, it's just full, of, ever- it's a movie full of villains, Tony. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a movie full of villains. Man, I don't know whether or not to hate Yasmani Grandal. Maybe Tim Anderson said something before all of that transpired that pissed Yasmani Grandal off. I go back to the videos that the White Sox released in spring training, where, you know, Yaz is talking to Kopek and things seem very, you know, good. He's telling them how dialed in he's going to be this season, all that good stuff. I, I start to think in my mind, like, why did Lucas Giolito, who's also like, been outcast from the Chicago White Sox at this point, obviously he was traded. You see the videos of him reenacting the Timmy fight and the bullpen. There's all that drama to well, add into re- all of it.
0: Reenacting what the Braves bats did to him. But you
1: know. but we used to rag on Lucas Giolito, right? For throwing to a personal catcher. It was James McCann. Then it right. became Stebby Zavala. And we were Never frustrated because the,
0: the lesser bat would be in the
1: lineup then. Correct. So, could some of the drama have been or the statements of Yaz being not a friend of the pitching staff been maybe or maybe not directed towards the fact that Lucas Giolito did need a personal catcher during there because those two guys didn't get along? What's the interpretation of pitching staff? Here. Because it could be one or two frontline starters. Maybe they weren't friends. You never know. This is the drama show, dude. And and that's what it's turned into. It shouldn't be like that. And that goes back to the whole thing. Yes, Rick Khan, you do have a culture problem. That's yeah. my thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another guy, the veteran that's now out of town, Lance Lynn. Um, I I you know, I honestly I would still make the Lance Lynn trade in turn. I'll die on that hill at that time. What Dane Dunning was, what he was going to be innings wise going into I just that 20... it was
1: funny that he carved up the White Sox
0: going into that 2021 season, what he is going to be able to offer you versus what Lance Lynn was. Oh, and guess what? He finished third in Cy Young, so don't forget that in 2021. jerk sure. the rest of the extension didn't work out how you wanted to because of injury in 2022 and then underperformance this year. I agree with that. Um, Lance, I'd probably still make that move, but man, I thought this was a guy that would whip that clubhouse into shape. That's the type of guy that he is fiery guy. Oh, uh, always you know, what wore his heart on his sleeve, obviously saw within his reactions within games He was very brutally honest in post-game interviews. And I respected all of that there um, in terms of that, but He definitely checked out at some point in here. And my fear is that he checked out at some point down the stretch of 2022. And we saw Pedro Grifol come in. He wasn't fully excited to play for this guy. And we just kind of went through the motions. And then he's still got Ethan Katz there, too. And Lucas Giolito's high school pitching coach. What are you doing here in my dugout? I'm so used to having, uh, you know, Duncan back with the Cardinals, right? Uh, and the various other places he's been with with a more well-put-together staff, right? Um, my, my fear is that he did that. And then you go and hear his reactions and I get it. Foul territory is a good show because it gives you an honest look into what the players are doing. And sure there's more than just baseball. He's got to move his family and he's got to do all of this. And you know, it, no, no wonder you're going to, you know, be in a better headspace when you're in a more, um, you know, friendly environment in terms of what's going on. He goes to a first place Dodgers team. Uh, They're a very well-run organization. They have their shit together. Um, They they give him info that he needs, probably that the White Sox weren't doing there. I understand all of that, but man, um, hearing him, just the kind of snark snarky way that he sort of confirmed Middleton's comments by kind of not answering it. Right. And he's like, I can tell you what they're wrong about. That I was like a long pause. And then it took you know like kratz or someone jumping in to you know kind of do that and i that he's telling the truth i'm, I'm not lambasting him for that but man it, it's like okay middleton says part of this whole problem is that lance and graveman went to the world baseball classical i'm sorry Yon mancada and Luis robert also went to by the way to that but then more Lance. just stuff on the pitching staff
1: that we don't want to say anything bad about.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's another layer of that onion there. We we're talking about, man, all, all of this drama that's going on here. But uh, yeah, Lance, he just seemed checked out to me. And, and that's sad to me Um, because I get it. It's tough to do. And it's tough to grind through that shit every day and everyone on Twitter will just tell you, it's like, Oh, I don't blame him and good for him. He's in a good place. You know what? I am glad. I'm glad that Lance will have the chance to pitch for a competitive team and play some playoff baseball. Um, and I hope the best for him in the future, but it just sucks that he couldn't have been the one, you know, in in that I remember back in April when they were amidst that losing streak, they were in Toronto and Lance did foul territory there from this hotel room there. And at that point it was blaming it on system changes and you know, this and that we've had injuries. And then he checked in again with them and it was injuries again. So he never gave you like the full insight. Not that I expect him to dump on other people there, but it's like, be the change you want to see in the world. Right. How was there not a boys get, get it the fuck together or we're not going anywhere moment and you know what maybe maybe there was was. maybe there was maybe there was but man the then i mean that's also on the rest of the team for not buying into that um understanding the gravity of it where this team is but i don't know It, it just it was disappointing to see lance wearing dodger blue colors and uh you know looking so much uh like he was couldn't have waited to get the fuck out of there um, I watched him on deadline day, too, and it was understandable. You got to be prepared for that shit to move your family and all of that. But, man, um, he's the type of guy that I would expect to put his foot down and for it to resonate in a locker room. So maybe that speaks more to the rest of the guys there. It, it probably does, but one guy can't be the whole answer to it. But if there's anybody in terms of physical presence, in terms of veteran status that could have, he would have been my vote for it.
1: He probably tried, and this is, I'm just hoping that that took place. But I go back to a a quote from a great movie, Johnny. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. I don't think Lance really wanted to be a product of the Chicago White Sox environment that is here right now. I, I don't think he deserves that in this stage of his career. Um, you know, he wants to chase another win. And when, when Lance signed that extension, I mean, it made all the sense in the world. The trade makes sense still to this day, why you brought him in here, veteran leader. But man, he was another guy that if you look back at some of the Tony La Russa times, even when there was a disagreement, there was respect there was at least some sort of respect. And then you have Pedro Grafolk sort of come in and I don't think he really said much about him, which to me, I go back to, you don't have anything nice to say. You don't say nothing. There was really never, at least from the veterans that you sort of pick out, there was never really a, We accept this guy if you go back and look at the media the same way there was to to back up TLR or even Ricky Renteria um, within this class. So I don't know if he lost the locker room super early, if there was just, you know, you don't see eye to eye, whatever. At the end of the day, it happens. But I don't think Lance wanted to be a product of all of this, whatever's going on here. Because I would venture to say the guy that's not afraid to go throw a fucking uh, 2-1 fastball in the middle of the zone to Vlad Jr. and get absolutely fucking rocked hadn't gone into that clubhouse three or four times and said, guys, we need to get our shit together. Because when you do shit like that on the mound, you probably have that mentality towards most of the challenges and obstacles you face on a day-to-day basis. He had to have tried. And it, it there's no way that, in my mind, it went over the way it did for him to be saying and acting the way that he is, yeah, I just don't think that's possible. He was never afraid to face the best hitter in an opposing team's lineup, but yet his message didn't get across here. That's the problem,
0: yep. Yeah. That's a good way to sum it up. All right. There was one other topic of discussion here um, that I did want to get in with the Middleton stuff um, just happened recently. And that was the scoreboard omission. I think everybody's, for the most part probably saw the video um, of it looked like the White Sox were not putting Keenan Middleton's name up on the little banner boards and on even on like the field view in terms of you know like where it shows the defensive alignment there his name wasn't in the middle of the diamond so that got everybody all up in arms and to the point where the White Sox made a statement on it post uh, and they um, attributed it to a glitch in MLB's downloadable data roster that they had for the New York Yankees and the fact that they had two players listed as number 93 because there was a minor league pitcher that is on their 40 man who also has 93, but Middleton is the first number 93 to actually wear it in a Yankees uniform on an MLB field there too. So um your thoughts, was this intentional? The White Sox had malicious intent. Do you buy their explanation for it? Um, That's the question at hand here.
1: That's such a loaded question. I can't believe we're even getting to the granularity of how – the White Sox get their data feeds for games to display on the scoreboard. And from a pure
0: technical standpoint, Johnny, I believe. I do too. I, I, I believe do. that. I, I, I actually really believe do. it because I've seen other fuck ups too. It hasn't just been Middleton. Yeah. It just happened to be the coincidental sort of worst possible name. And, when, that happened and,
1: and when you add in the trade deadline just taking place, I, I absolutely can see that
0: being the fuck up now. How is there not an active roster versus 40-man tab that you can switch on that data, though? That's, that's some, kind of my question. Some dude kind probably has to program maybe, that for maybe, MLB. Maybe that goes up the chain to the chained MLB then,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the engineering resources are tied up trying to calculate X woba all day, so we can't figure out how to make different feeds. Uh, you never know. Uh, that said, I mean, the most ironic outcome is is the most entertaining, right? I think we've seen that before. Uh, anything that can go wrong will go wrong, Murphy's Law. We love that type of thing. That this was set up to just add fuel to the fire for the simulation that is the Chicago White Sox. That's my thought here, because you have everything at play, right? You've got an unintentional thing that looks super intentional, and it's going to cause all sorts of chaos. That's how I look at this. I don't know. Maybe I just like seeing the world burn that way, but I don't think it was intentional from the white Sox side. I've been to plenty of games where the scoreboard just doesn't even fucking work at all. And I wish they'd go back to the led days with like the light bulbs or not even the led back to the light bulbs in the, in the scoreboard and left field that had everything going on there. And the video board was a little bit different, but there's no way they unintentionally left his name off.
0: I just don't think that that's right. I, really possible. I buy it from a technical standpoint. I've been to enough games, uh, you know, um, in terms of I've seen uh, all these kind of malfunctions take place. I don't know there's an issue about numbers like that I knew specifically of that I could point to before. But there's been plenty of times where a batter's name doesn't get up or the fucking wrong guy gets put up there. Um, I've seen that happen as well. So, and you're looking around and having to look at like the MLB, like game day app, like who the fuck is this guy that's coming up? Um, so, but I, I do believe from a technical standpoint there, but I, I need to read an excerpt from our guy, uh, uh, Socks Insane. He wrote this when he was uh, d- describing the issue and all everything that went on with it and the response to it. Um, go over, check it out on tap um, what to make of it, the closing of his article there, whether you believe the White Sox would purposely do this, it speaks to their lack of credibility. The Sox have done very little besides disappoint fans lately and the continued messaging from the dugout and the front office is incredulous. The incident created enough buzz on the internet to garner a response from the team and fans will continue to place the organization's actions under a microscope until it enacts some positive change. Well said, Besnick. I stand on that statement. That's where I would close it out at. I think you can. I think that's that's
1: perfectly fair. I would argue that the microscope that was placed on the Chicago White Sox over the past week makes something like that blow up. Because there's a lot of variables and factors at play that make that bigger than, I think, the moment here, right? Now... Should the White Sox as an organization from a technical standpoint, from a promotional standpoint, a PR standpoint, should they have been more cognizant of this being a potential issue? Yes. That said, if it was the Angels in town and Lucas Giolito was the starting pitcher and didn't have, you know, this PR blow up over the comments that were made and they forgot to throw his name up I think you chuckle at it for the first inning and by the third inning they've got it resolved because there's probably some manual override there we're talking about pitch clock baseball Keenan Middleton comes in in relief you've got some glitch you need to fix it I saw somebody reply with a tweet of a picture of them actually announcing that he was coming into the ball game.
0: Right, they not then I was there they announced it and also it was on the main video board. Yes, that, where the batter usually is, right? They have that view of, you know, they have the batter stats there primarily, but in a transition to a new inning they had his name, number, but no stats included. So they did not draw those from the data there. Um, but then once it flipped over to have the whole White Sox view, because the White Sox are obviously batting while he was pitching. So they have whoever is up there in their picture and their stats and all that there. And then the pitcher's name would go and slide to the banner boards across the side, which where it did not appear. And then also within the field view of who's playing which position. And it did not appear there either. So you did have it. It's not like his name didn't completely show up there. It, it was just a sort of, you know, partial um a mission on that part
1: yeah so to me that sort of sounds like a fluke i mean could you imagine sitting there if that's your job and like the technology screws up on you and all of a sudden you're like national headlines because the scoreboard yeah. didn't display the right name what a the, shitty either way they me. i think that's
0: a wake-up call and you just get that shit fucking fixed yeah. whether that's on mlb's end or figure that out then because I haven't been to a whole lot of uh, visiting, you know, away ballparks recently. But um, Steve showed a good picture video of the Braves and they get even deeper and they have sort of like splits or, you know, whatever, a little bit more advanced digging in data on some of these guys. So if they're able to go and pull all that shit up, um, why can't we just get the guy's name up there? Like, come on.
1: I mean, when you're starting to ask that question, Johnny you you sort of wonder like why don't we have a real right fielder or second baseman right yeah and you you just start to deduct from there but i don't think it was intentional sort of borderline hilarious if you want to look at it from a a, a top level view yeah because it's it's comical how bad this is but yeah i don't think it was intentional
0: Yep, I, I'm in that same boat. But either way, um, of course, that happens. Uh, you know, bad, bad luck <laughs> nonetheless. Because it at least drew that attention there. But hey, w- with all of this shit going on, White Sox being under this massive microscope here, um, they've won with every game except for one since the incident that started all of it with the Jose Ramirez, Tim Anderson, um, brawl. We're still waiting to hear suspensions back, uh, after Tim Anderson appealed on that. So go check out on dot com for that when it becomes available. Um, that's about all I've got for this white Sox off day talk. Tony hit me with some final thoughts and then let's get on out of here. Final thoughts. I mean,
1: I just want to drop back to something you said earlier. We're going to be missing white Sox baseball in the, uh, the dead days of January, just getting back out to the ballpark. Try and, try and get yourself back out there. I know a lot of the talk here has been whether or not you have consumed any sort of White Sox baseball this season. Maybe it's not your thing. Maybe you don't want to touch it. But uh, I encourage people to just tune into a game and take it in, uh, the sport of baseball, uh, of your favorite team playing that game. And I think it's really hard to do. But if you look at things more game-to-game level, if we're playing the Twins, I want to beat them when we get towards the end of the schedule here in September. I think that's okay to root for them. I don't think we're going to fuck up any draft position. This team's still going to be terrible. Um And there's probably going to be like some one or two last major drama outbursts that come from this team. So the storylines are still there. We
0: need daily ones. We can keep winning, right? (laughs) Yeah. Daily
1: ones. So we can keep winning. If you've got like dirt on the white Sox, just drop it on the timeline might become national news. Like our guy, Matt Crawford had one day, you know, you never know. So drop it out there. We'll see what happens. It might inspire the boys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My final thought is um, going kind of a little granular here. Uh, I would seen a bunch of C starts, seen a bunch of Lance starts, seen a handful of Giolito starts earlier this season being out the ballpark. First time seeing Mike Clevenger pitch in person uh, on Wednesday night. He did a hell of a job. Excellent outing for him. Um, I would be in favor of bringing him back next season. And my final thought then for the show is results are so much more fun than peripherals. So go out and watch some results. That shit's fun. All right. Until next time. Here from Sox on Tap, we appreciate all of you tuning in. Go check out On OnTap Sportsnet on YouTube and on Facebook. Like us over there. Uh, check out On OnTapSportsNet.com. Give us a follow on social media, at Sox on Tap and at Tap Sportsnet. And we'll be back with you for Sunday Funday, wrapping up the Milwaukee series. Until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox forever.